When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to another episode of Jaybird Watching. I am Craig Borden, your host this week with my, you know, my Brendan Panikar here. We've still got one member on the IR, and our pinch hitter is even gone this, this evening, Brendan. So we have to come up with another one. We're just testing the, the depths of our friends. You know, <laughs> there you go. We've made a trade. We've made a very splash acquisition at the deadline <laughs> very big splash acquisition as far as that goes because one of our actual guy honestly brendan i didn't realize that he hasn't been on the show in a while and we had to hurry up and correct this yes absolutely so without further ado i bring you our old friend jason lee how are you doing buddy doing well i'm super excited to to be here to talk some oj's baseball it's definitely been a while like i've been super busy with um with school recently, but uh, the time worked out, so super pumped to talk about our team. Yeah, and I just find it funny, we've been trying to figure this out for weekly planned weeks, <laughs> and then this one was like, hey, by the way, we're doing a show tomorrow night, we need somebody, and yeah. here you are. <laughs> so now we, now we know how to get you, Jason, just make it very ad hoc. Yeah. Within a 24-hour window up to. Yeah. <laughs> So, but anyway, guys, there's plenty going on around the Toronto Blue Jays here this evening going into tonight's show that we're going to have some serious implementations of what's going on with this team's roster. And um, I think we've got to talk this first thing out. Nats is definitely not going to be a Toronto Blue Jay. He signed a four-year deal with the out of bright field it seemed like with the st louis cardinals i didn't realize they were going to be looking for a pitcher um i think they were looking to make the big splash but they got some of the mats they can trust um looking at this contract jason what do you think the um, it, this is obviously very good for steven Matz to have capitalized on this you know big year they just had but um what what do you think the blue jays aspect was on this whole thing with him getting a fourth year it looked like in that same amount of money that we were kind of talking yeah, I think firstly for Steven Matz, it's a great deal for him. He he's he's a solid back end starter. He's a number four or five, gives you high three, low four year rate. Um, he'll be there for twenty five to thirty starts a season, and that is super valuable. Um, and I think that's why the Blue Jays definitely 
kept trying to resign him. I know before the qualifying offer deadline, they had a multi-year offer out there. And then um, it was reported last night that they had a three-year offer to, to Steven Metz. And obviously, only enough to to be confident in offering that deal. Um, but for me, um, at four years, for 44, to the Blue Jays, probably not. I think is he... He deserves that contract, but at the same time, for in terms of the Blue Jays' perspective, I think there are better opportunities out there and more intriguing opportunities out there. And furthermore, I'm just confident that, you know, whoever with at least mold him, mold him into that back-end start that Steven Matz would have been anyways. So further, for that long of a contract, I'm actually quite sad, like happy that, that the Blue Jays... Um, I don't know if, if avoid was the right word, but missed out on him. It's one of those deals that definitely, I think he's going to live up to most of this. I don't see this being an issue, especially with what he figured out. We saw what he could do in a Mets uniform that could go right with Steven Matz this past year with uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, but Brendan, this is kind of falling into that same ballpark of some of the contracts that we've seen over the last week in the Anthony Des- Desclafani deal with the Giants and whatnot. It's basically in that same wheelhouse. So I think he got market rate. From that, I was just really surprised that it took four years to be the one that actually finally cemented that deal. I think this this Scafani's deal is with the Giants was three years. Yeah, I think this Scafani was what three thirty six, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Blue Jays came in on for Steven Matz, and I think that would have been fair. It's the fourth year for me that made me say, okay, I'm glad they didn't give him that three years. Still, I probably would have found a little too much to be honest. Two years would have been perfect, but honestly, at the end of the day. The amount of teams that were reportedly in on him, which was like eight, I think, even closer to 10. I was not surprised that the Cardinals, uh, or I guess whoever would have ended up signing him, was St. Louis, uh, went to a fourth year to secure it. He probably had a ton of three-year offers on the plate. Maybe he had three-plus team options, but the Cardinals gave him a fourth guaranteed. And the term's fine. I have nothing wrong with the term. If the Blue Jays got him and paid him $11 million a year, I think that's great for a guy who can be your four or your five at the back end of the rotation. But let's be honest, he can find another Steven Matz for probably cheaper and with maybe even more upside and that one is John Gray. in my mind that would be a perfect addition to the rotation because Gray could also be the next Robbie Ray if you get him with Pete Walker and figure that out so look it's not I think the Cardinals made a play for him because I was just looking at their depth chart Wayne fantastic here he came out of nowhere and kind of bounced back to like ace Adam Wainwright which is awesome to see because I loved him and I love him for his entire career but after that they got Flaherty uh and Dakota Hudson after that they're very very suspect uh back there so Matt shores that rotation beautifully and I won't say that the Blue Jays are bare my top three Barrios Ryu and Manoa because honestly even if Stripling ends up being the five at the end of the season, I hope at the start of the season, I hope that's not the case. Hope they're aiming a little higher than that. But Stripling at times this year pitched better than Steven Matz. He's really good. So you already have kind of a Steven Matz in house with Ross Stripling. If worse comes to worse, and you don't make any additions, which they won't, they will make additions. <laughs> to that point, though, there was a point I think in this exact show we were debating Matz versus Stripling. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you're under contract and around for what? I think it's another two years. Um, so and very cheap too. So it's uh, yeah. great to have a Ross Stripling around. Before I throw some of these names that I'm looking at here on the free agent tracker on MLB.com, there are pitching ballparker here where Stephen Matt signed. Um, you would one part of the direction here I wanted to go with the next conversation here, Brendan, and that is in-house 
what is the worst case scenario at the moment for Toronto Blue Jays pitching, Jason? If we're looking at this whole thing, like I said, or Brendan said, the top three pretty much face some of the best yeah. top threes in a lot of Major League Baseball. But after that, there could be a quick decline if you're going to Ross Stripling all of a sudden to be that fourth guy. So enlighten. <laughs> it's a great question. Um, Worthwise, I think. Nate Pearson is definitely in the conversation. Um, there's a lot of guys in in the minor leagues that are also super intriguing. But for a team that's that's competing, um, that wants to compete for the division title, I think if you're having Nate Pierce, if you're having Nate Pearson and Ross Stripling at the start of the season, that's definitely not a good thing. And I don't think we'll come to that because there's obviously money to spend and prospect capital to spend it as well. So we'll definitely acquire at least a pick probably two or three um but let's say worst case scenario we had into the season um with the starting five of like you said um Barrios, Ryu, Manoa and then have Pearson and Stripling I think that would be um a pretty significant call and then just one last note on Steven Matz yeah um, I want to mention this I think in terms of the four-year deal the the addition with the third and even fourth year is Steven Matz's success heavily on like the fastball velocity. I think Eno Sars put it out there in a tweet. Um, his his woba spikes if if his uh, fastball doesn't reach 95. So maybe in the next two years, you know, he can maintain that fastball velocity. But in the third or fourth, he's going to still be a pitcher that can throw 95 plus to maintain his success. And I would argue no because we've seen time and time again that velocity decreases throughout a pitcher's career. So, you know, it's even more um, reason to to say that maybe the Blue Jays avoided, you know, um, not a big catastrophe, but a minor headache um, if they signed him for three or four years. Yeah, I think there's another piece to that, even as far as you were going with the velocity there, too, is we saw it in some of the starts where things really did pass and was the fact that it was uh, he lost control for a, even three, four batters. Mm-hmm. He's throwing just as hard as he was. But there, I want to say it was a game against the Mariners specifically that he walked four or five people in the first two innings. It just looked like he was constantly behind on everybody throughout the start. He ended up only giving up three or four runs, but that three or four runs two years from now was probably looking more like six or seven <laughs> in that same time frame, right? And if you're not locating and you're not throwing the ball as hard, I can see exactly to that those last couple of years of that contract could look pretty damn rough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And to further some of the weird stats on Matt's guys, uh, Jason, I, I saw Eno's tweet. Absolutely true. Uh, Petriello, Mike Petriello, who they've had on Sportsnet quite a bit on Blue Jays, said Matt's had such a weird year, which he did. His ERA dropped from 472 in the first half to 291 in the second. But his strikeout, strikeout rate dropped from 25 to 20 percent. And then there was a lot of home run weirdness in there, too. At the end, though, Petriello says he's a four-ish ERA back-end starting pitcher, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I think he was appropriately paid for one of those. So good for the Cardinals to lock him up and good for Matt's to get some term because I think coming into this year – you never knew what was going to happen with Matt's guy to deal with injuries. He obviously had that COVID scare uh, on the IL for a little while, and he came back and he actually did pretty, pretty well. He was a valuable member of this rotation down the stretch. Um, good one-year deal, good acquisition to get him. You didn't give up anything for him. But yeah, at the end of the day, I think we can all with what Eno Saris 
pointed out, and Mike Petriello, there's a lot of uh, cause for potential regression uh, next season. But who knows? Uh, I think I'm with you, Jason, on the fact that he could probably replicate this season upcoming and the season after. And just wait until you see if he gets off to a red hot start. What Blue Jays Twitter gets up won't be fun. Yeah, it's always fun in those conversations, even especially when we have those conversations on this show. So everybody that's listening, remember, we do have a lot of those Twitter conversations right here when we do our live recordings. But uh, I, I think the other crazy thing is the fact that everybody seemed to think that he was dead nuts to go back to the Mets. He was pretty vocal about the fact that he was not happy those last two years with the Mets. So this whole thing that's spun out of control with Mets management of Ooh, who's lying and all that thing. I think his manager said the best and he goes, well, I wrote and be quiet over here. <laughs> so I just couldn't believe that next piece of that happened, but I guess that's the Mets new management style is just piss everybody off and <laughs> you'll see what happens. But free agent guys, you know, obviously this is somebody that was clearly on the blue Jays radar. Wanted to bring him back. There are a few other names right around the, so on the, the free agent tracker, Stephen Mass is dead even right at 30 right now is the best available guy, number 30 on the list. Right around him, um, if I go up to number 24, is the, the guy you mentioned, John Gray, that I was surprised that he's considered the 24th guy anymore. I love him. I think he's got potential at the age of 30 still, but is he really going to be a legit good or better than Steven Matz according to this list? Then it has Carlos Rodon at 31, Michael Pineda, Zach Greinke, and Colin McHugh are the other pitchers right in that ballpark, right around where Steven Matz is on that free agent tracker. If you're missing out on Steven Matz, do any of those guys scream fit for you, Brendan? John Gray, <laughs> as I said yeah, earlier. That's why absolutely. I was teeing you up. Yeah, no, I said John Gray for sure. But if I went outside of John Gray, Rodon would be interesting. A huge strikeout guy, but a guy who's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career. There's been some interesting names thrown around in the past, like Dylan Bundy. I don't know. That doesn't get me overly excited. I think they could maybe fix him because Bundy was such a very uh, valued prospect. And he had some days more, keep in mind. He wasn't terrible. But, I mean, after that, like, you're just going around the list. And to be perfectly honest, I think uh, any addition in the rotation that's upwards of, like, near the same echelon as either replacing Robbie Ray or being in a similar line to Barrios or to be at the top end of the rotation will be via trade. And there are a lot of teams that are signaling that they are willing to move off of people. Oakland, like, like Oakland might move to Las Vegas in a couple of years. It looks like they're going towards a teardown as well. Ken, I think it was Ken Rosenthal. But it looks like they're going to tear it all down, start over as they always do that normal Oakland athletic cycle um, when you maybe make the playoffs flirt with it for two, two or three years. And then you got to do it all over again before players get paid. So that opens up Manaya, Chris Bassett and others. Um, but yeah, in the free agent market, John Gray is the one that people are drawn to. And for good reason, he does feel like he could be the next Robbie Ray where you get him in here. High strikeout guy as Ray was some control issues that Robbie Ray had and you get him in here, you fix him and he's ready to go. Hopefully. I think we're going to see anybody, maybe, but maybe not, uh, replicate what Robbie Ray just did. Uh, but Gray, there's no reason why he couldn't be uh, a nice middle-of-the-rotation arm with upside to be a top-end guy. And At the end of the day, the interesting thing that we're going to have to navigate, guys, whenever we think of free agents, is the new policy that's going to go into effect for vaccinations. Athletes need to be vaccinated to come into Canada as of January 15th. There's no more rules. There's no more exceptions. And apparently, somebody dug this up when I uh, put it on Twitter earlier. John Gray is back. So that is good news. <laughs> that's, a one, that's one checkbox already right in the right. Yeah. 
spot. Exactly. Um, Jason, out of those guys, I rambled off there. Is there anybody that intrigues you outside of there or anybody you want to hammer home on that list? Because um, I'm, we're talking I, trades are one thing. We've, we'll talk trades because um, I obviously love the idea of getting Chris Bass as he saved my fantasy team this year. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, who do you think? Uh, is there anybody uh, that obviously you're hoping for getting the best out of somebody like Zach Granke at the age of 38? On the Q's 34. Carlos Rodon's 28 out of that group, and he's the only lone guy in that age group at that point. Rodon is is interesting. He he honestly probably has the most upside. Maybe you could argue. I, I think I wouldn't um, disagree that Jack maybe could reach him in terms of upside, but we've seen it, like, obviously with his no-hitter this year. Um, huge strikeout guy. I think there were concerns that his velocity did throughout the year. And then um, I've also there could be makeup concerns as well in terms of you know how he is in the clubhouse. But it, there's no question that he's he's definitely a guy maybe on a short-term deal um, where he's continuing to rebuild value. That could be interesting. I think a guy that you didn't mention that I would really it's not a sexy name, but I think could be super valuable is Alex Cobb. Um, if you if you look at his numbers last year, it's actually it's pretty impressive. You know. He his strikeouts per nine spiked. It was like almost it's above nine and it's almost ten. And then yeah. his his FIP his FIP is under three and his ex FIP is around the low threes as well. And you know he's thirty four. He's he only pitched um, he pitched in less than twenty games last year. So he'll probably come at a discount as well. So if you get on a a two or three year deal or maybe even a one or two year deal at Stephen Matt's value, I think he could easily be. A back end starter and even has potential to be even more than that because he showed it with the Rays, he showed it last year with the Angels and he's kind of like a, a low under the radar name that I would honestly love to have on the in the rotation. He's been a guy that we've talked about on this show a lot. And even when we were all three of us together writing at Jay's journal, it seemed like he was always floating around Regent Wire. I just want you just want to make sure you're bringing that one back for the hell of it, Jason. <laughs> I get it. But no, he does spell this team as a great like you said, back-end guy, safety net, worst-case scenario. And if he was the last guy standing at the end of this whole thing, I'd be completely happy with him because the other guy that I was looking at possibly you know, sweep off the wire here was Alex Wood, but apparently the rumor has it is he's going to re-sign with the uh, Giants and there's not going to be a lot of uh, talking in that whole situation. But um, I'm in the ball that I'd like to see something tried with Rodon and I, I agree with you that there's some enough things there to be intrigued about there's a couple things that are dings in that whole argument as well but if I could get him somewhere in the prove it or you know kind of ballpark that's that next step up from what we gave maybe Steven Matz on the you know that, then maybe we're in that ballpark and we're doing business together because then he doesn't have to be the guy like he has been supposedly being with the Chicago White Sox the last god see it feels like forever <laughs> um but other than that, the free agent market outside of now going back to Robbie Ray or going completely all in on Max Scherzer guys, all those guys kind of tend to be interchangeable to me. And it's going to look very eerily similar to that Steven Matt's contract and money. I just don't think in term. So are you all in and getting back Mike, uh, Robbie Ray at this point now, if you've lost your, your quote unquote safety school, basically, right? <laughs> I said it last week, Kevin Gosman's still my number one. Like, if it's not Robbie Ray coming back, Gosman, people don't realize this. 
Gosman has had he's figured his shit out like since he's left Baltimore. He has had a couple of mechanical adjustments. He's had two of his best career seasons with the Giants the last couple of years. And the Blue Jays were in on him at the end of 2019, last year, this year. They're one of the teams rumored to be very interesting Gosman. They had for Gosman a three year deal last year. And I believe it was upwards of forty million per not forty million per forty million total. Um that would have been a steal. If they got Kevin yeah. Gosman for that term and that money, um, but yeah, he just a note to Blue Jays fans that might be thinking Kevin Gosman, uh, the and thinking of the guy who had a mid five ERA in one of his last years with Baltimore. No, he's uh, a top end of the rotation arm, really good, and he's finally reached that potential that the Orioles were hoping when he came up. So he is uh, top. It's just a matter if they're going to be able to get him, and he is vaccinated too. That's another thing I looked up. He is vaccinated. <laughs> you're going to make sure that checkbox is filled at every person I, we talk about. Have to, or they're not going to be able you? to sign them. They're not going to be able to sign them if uh, they're not vaccinated. <laughs> they're also not going to be able to get paid if they don't hurry up and figure that one out. So yeah. just putting that out there as well. So to that other point that you had mentioned, though, uh, his regular season last year, he got 192 innings and 14 and six record with the Giants, who were ungodly, very similar in makeup and team, just not obviously more rookie versus um, where the uh, 2.81 ERA. And this is the thing that I was I knew he was missing a lot of bats, Brendan, but this, I'm looking at this and seeing 227 strikeouts. Oh, I had no idea that he was missing that many bats. Their bullpen relief near his end of the tenure with the uh, Orioles was enough to figure out how to take that to the next level. And obviously, like you said, he's figured out a few other things. He's good. Jason, is that a name that's screaming intrigue to you or you, uh, unfortunately in my camp that you're wondering which Gosman you get. Easily <laughs> <laughs> a name that I like, um, it, it all comes down to the opportunity cost, right? Like what, how many years and how, what term it's going to take to sign him. I think there's a reason why we're seeing the blue Jays go after, you know, like at the start of the day, they were heavily in on Luis Castillo. They were heavily in on the Miami starters. They were in on Justin Verlander, um, who is Noah Syndergaard as well. So maybe yep. this front office right now doesn't really want to commit years and big money to a guy like Robbie Ray and Kevin Gossman. And that's why they wanted those guys on two or three year deals, whether it was on a trade or whether it was, um, you know, a guy trying to bounce back in free agency. So I think, honestly, I think, Right now, the probability of signing a Ray or a Gauss more than we think. I think we're getting excited, obviously, because, you know, they're big names and we have money to spend. Um, but I think right now the the focus may be on shorter term guys, whether it's through trade or, or free agency. Um, and that might be just because that fits in more, line, more in line with, with our window. And um, we also have to remember that we, we're going to have to, at some point, uh, make an effort to re-sign Vladdy and Bo and all those guys, right? And they're going to be demanding contracts. And we, if we have Ray or Gosman at 25 to, to 30 in four or five years, that's going to be that much harder. So I think that's why, at least that's one reason why we might be avoiding the big money contracts for now. But if the price drops and it fits at a, at a level, you know, where we can handle it, then 100% I would be in, the, in for those guys. Yeah, and obviously you weren't on the show last week, but we spent a good chunk of uh, time talking about the Brios deal and what that really is meaning for the uh, prospective franchise. And we all kind of came to the same conclusion that it's, it's them hedging their bet to make sure that they keep the right people that are younger involved in on this whole thing and lining up more with the uh, eventual, I would say, ends of Bo and Vlad and company. And obviously we already have Springer's contract on play. I, as much as I, you know, 
Ryu's doing what Ryu does, but we really only have two more years on his money. <laughs> Things like that. So it, everything that I've been seeing this offseason points to that they are going to get arms in a trade. Who that is, I'll give you a complete goddamn wild card on right now <laughs> because there's so many random names about. And to the fact if the, the A's do do a full teardown in the fire sale, um, see on the show last week, is that where you're thinking that things are leaning right now, or at least kind of looking? Uh, with Oakland? I mean, just in general, from the, the Blue Jays trying to ensure that they're staying younger and signing these deals up to the right to line up with that core. Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing office is obviously they want to build a championship caliber team, but they focused from day one on building a sustainable winner. I think that's the biggest difference between um, the previous regime with Alex Anthopoulos and then the current current Y, Mark Shapiro and Ross Ross Atkins. And that's not a ding on Alex Anthopoulos. I think he's a he's a phenomenal general manager as well. And what he did with Atlanta this past year was was great. But um often with with him you know sometimes you're left in a position where you have to start from from ground and you know that's obviously sometimes not ideal for fans whereas with ross atkins and mark shapiro they really want to stress the importance of you know i think um being like a team like st louis i think a team that's seemingly competing for the playoffs every year they're in it every year um but hopefully better than st louis where we're competing for championships everywhere every year and, but at the very least, you know, making the playoffs, being in the playoff race every year and giving fans um, an opportunity to cheer for their team without consistently. And I think um, staying young and looking for those opportunities to, to find value is, is a big part of that. They've done a great job of doing exactly what you just said, building it up from nothing, because this is a team that had to trade. 2016 team to get to where we are right now we're finally seeing the fruits of that labor over the last two seasons and the blue jays are that much better for it because they basically have one of the best offenses cemented in baseball for the next got at least five years right <laughs> so um if you can get some of this pitching stuff figured out around that young core this thing is going to be pretty damn lights out for a while and i you i think you're gonna be hard-pressed telling any other blue jay fan anything different than that so why don't we talk about the other thing that we've been dancing around a little bit here which is actually how do you continue to keep that so segue points to you jason the um our competitors, the Tampa Bay Rays, turned around and signed what was the number one prospect in all the base heading into this past season, and that is Wander Franco, who is going to be their everyday shortstop for the better part of, yeah, a decade and a little extra, <laughs> 12 years possibly. There is a buyout in this contract in the midst of he can opt out at one point, but 12 years, 23 million <laughs> so 223 million dollars in this extension for wander franco and the way this is sliced out this actually ends up looking pretty damn team friendly and a amazing move for the tampa bay rays this honestly screams a lot of what to me they did back in the day with evan longoria and david price they still can trade him there's no no trade clause in this according to jeff passan and he, it gets them through everything they need to, and he gets the right incentives to his team as long as he wants, basically, at this point. Um, I am not seeing which year he is able to opt out in, though. I forget when that was. But to that point, this is in his rookie season, guys, two, a 288 hitter and with seven home runs and third eyes. And at the time that he got injured, I think he had played – it was so many games with a hit or something like that that it was a rookie record or damn near close to it. So – this could be the template going forward for a future 
Toronto Blue Jays prospect being secured. We have plenty of them in now. Bobachet, Vlad, who both of those guys should be in the Silver Slugger race, not just one of them. <laughs> and um, then we're going to have guys like Alec Manoa and whatnot that are also going to be pushing into the nation, I would think, as soon as after next year with Manoa. But this screams the template going forward. And I would make the argument that Vlad, if you're going to sign him to a tw- this three-year, de- you know, 12-year deal, it's going to look even more ridiculous because he's already proven the fact that he's basically be this past season. Um, Brendan, I'm going to let you run with this one first. Where do you think this profiles as far as baseball pushing extensions for players? I love seeing kids get paid what they deserve based on what they are doing. And probably by the end of the contract, it's going to look like a steal for the Rays, just based on how hyped up Wander Franco is. I mean, it, it figures that the Blue Jays have this young stud in Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's a top prospect. But then what do you know, a year later, the Rays have one too. And now we're going to have to put up with him for the next 12, if, unless he gets traded before then. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a blueprint moving forward. I think the thing that stood out to me earlier this week was Peter Gammons, I haven't seen this anywhere else. It's only been from Peter, Peter Gammons so far. But Gammons was reporting that Bichette had a contract extension put in front of him, but the union was advising him to not take it uh, because of the upcoming CBA uh, and the deal expiring. Jason, I'm not sure if you saw that either, but there was somebody who retweeted is like, well, Gammons, you're kind of burying the lead here. The Blue Jays offered Bo Bichette a contract extension. And that just makes me question, for how long? For how much? What does that money look like? And why are why is the union advising him not to take it? Uh, if Bo wants to get paid and lock himself into this team for the next 10 years, sign it right now, please, and get it done. Uh, but yeah, definitely Franco's contract will be um, a template that I'm sure Vlad is going to strive for, something very similar, if not a little bit better. And Bo could come in right around the same. Uh, and that gets back to Jason's point earlier. Maybe the Blue Jays don't go after these big names like Ray and Gosman to keep that financial flexibility open for these extensions because there's other guys who will need to get paid eventually too. I don't know what Kevin Biggio ends up becoming over the course of the next few years. Luckily, it seems like he won't be nearly as expensive as those guys. Somehow figures it out. But then you got to think of Lourdes Gurriel, who has one year less on his deal than was originally thought, and T. Oscar and then eventually others too. Um, so, yeah, uh, Franco's definitely going to be a template, and I would not be surprised if both Vlad and Bo get very similar deals to Franco. God, Jason, I know you want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. It's um, it's at the same time comparable, but also in comparable situations in that they, firstly, the... The obvious thing is that Franco's played 70 games in the major leagues um, to date. And if you remember what Vladdy and Bo looked like after 70 games, and if I'm sure after, like, if you told fans that we offered them a 12-year contract after their 70-game performance, they would not be having any of it. And, you you know, right, I've seen a lot of uptakes on Twitter now, you know, kind of bashing the Blue Jays for not doing that. But it's, 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 it's different culture, too. Yeah, they're evaluating their the the value of the player based on what they've done after two to three seasons, not after seventy games. Yeah. And unfortunately, with the Rays, you know, they're kind of in a position where they have to take where they have to offer these big contracts based on minimal sample size. Um, and I think that's one reason why you know we can't go to Bo or or Vladi today with a twelve year contract with that same. I think if you're uh, with you with the talk with. Vladdy at least 30 to 35 a year, and then Bo is definitely around that as well. 
and it's not nowhere not going to be anywhere near the 18 average or something that Franco got. Um, Just did the math. It's about 18.6. Yeah, <laughs> per year. And, that, and uh, the second thing is, it's maybe less um, apparent, but the different familial situations. I have no idea what what Franco's situation is like financially, but with Bo and Vladdy, you know, we know that they're their their fathers were were really successful baseball players as well so they financially regardless so they might actually want to test free agency and players actually like free agency like Barrio said you know he that was something he was looking forward to and the Blue Jays convinced him to forego that but players like the I guess the teams reaching out to them and appealing to them and that's exactly maybe what Bo and Vladi might be looking forward to and since they are secure financially you know they might be less willing to sign that extension unless the Blue Jays pay up big. And, you know, at that point, is it really worth it to pay big early, you know, or do you just wait till free agency? So it's it's a dilemma for the Blue Jays. And the Wander Franco is, like I said, it's comparable, but at the same time, it's we can also take it for a grain of salt because there's a lot of fit there that make the two situations very different as well. Yeah, I agree with you on the fact that this is a raise move all day, every day. The Blue Jays move on this similar thing. I think it's closer to 10 years and more money if you um, and at the moment we're talking about here with the Boba Shett and Vlad Jr. Now you've seen a full season because of the 2020 thing and they both they were the studs on this team. There's no way in saying it other than that. And they're young. They're only going to get better at this point especially with all the, you know, talk we hear from how good they, you know, what they learned from Marcus Semyon, for example, and all this stuff. Jesse Barfield, if you want to get in that ballpark, whoever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But to that point, um, just me being the math nerd and the engineer here in the group here, I just goofed around and I typed in uh, what it would take over 10 years, kind of like ballpark in here with those numbers you were talking around. If you're paying them, let's say 32 a year, either of them, you're talking 32, 32, $320 million in a 10 year deal. That's right up there with like the Mike Trout contract, <laughs> anything that we've been talking about on this show, period. So that is literally the franchise for your next 10 years if you're doing that. And to that point, if they can continue to turn around minor league guys and do that and bring in guys, that is completely sustainable. But that is a giant chunk of your bank on two players going forward that I agree are the cornerstones of your franchise and you should just hurry up and do it. What do you guys say if it did take something like that? to be able to do it tomorrow. Let's say that was the deal that Boba Shett was given that he said, hey, pump the brakes. <laughs> you happy with that? Um, I think... I think it's closer to 30 with him, but... <laughs> as far as average. The for me would be Vladdy over Bo. As much as I love Bo, I think with Bo there's also a lot of... Um, limitations if that's the right word in terms of you know he's not the best defensive shortstop mm-hmm. but and you know it's difficult to see because he is a little bit more of a smaller guy as well so it's hard to see how that translates with age um and then with what i think vladi can you know has hopefully a bit more long game. um but both you know i think but at time if if it, saying no I don't I think you know it's also fine to to wait until free agency and see if you can have a run at it that when they reach free agency as well because you you know you're still they reach free agency so obviously it's it's something that the Blue Jays want to do um but 
if they can't do it, you know, it's it's like they can't do it. So yeah. Uh, so to that point, though, you know, this could just be what it looks like once they finally hit free agency. So we could be paying that out of pocket now or paying later. <laughs> so, but I I do think there is something to say, Brendan, for them uh, giving these contracts to these guys as far as pushing the competitive window. You're giving them the money they should be getting at, you know, right now, as far as what they would be making in their free agent years and stuff. That is going to lay a fire under their ass, I think, to do the right things. And the guys that I think have that character in it, oh, well, they're paying me this, I better hurry up and get my game going. And we already saw what they're making right now and what they did this year. <laughs> so yeah. maybe this is one of those things that this is a uh, rewarding them from their hard work ethic. Maybe it's not the tune of that crazy deal like that, but I've got the arbitration years with a proper dollar amount and ensuring that. But at least at that point for the Blue Jays, it's it's known money. Well, and basically everything you described there, Craig, is why the CBA is going to be so difficult because uh, that's pretty much the exact issue. You summed it up right there is players do want to get paid what they're worth, but there is nothing. There's no obligation for the Blue Jays to extend a contract to Bo or Vlad right now. People need to understand that they can keep them around for very cheap. They would probably do very well in arbitration uh, if a little bit longer, like getting closer to 20, 25 million per season in the next couple of years over ARB, um, depending on what they both file at. But that's in a nutshell what's going to make it so interesting on december 1st which it's probably going to expire and we're going to head towards some very rough niggins is there's nothing like why would the owners want to give that up where you don't have to pay guys like bo and vlad and wander franco and juan soto big money until they are obligated to if they want to keep them around um there are some teams that have started to realize hey we want to reward our players for doing well and we want to establish a good relationship so let's pay them now buy out their rb years and keep them around a couple extra years before they hit free agency but again there's nothing that the, the, the blue jays do not have to do this if they don't want to now they'd be silly to probably not do that for a couple of them especially vlad uh but the owners at the end of the day want this current CBA in place because it favors them much heavier than it does the players uh, at the end of the day. And it's going to be so fascinating about the next little while because we saw what happened in 2020 when Rob Manfred needed to lead negotiations uh, with the players union and the owners over the COVID shortened season and how much players would be paid then. And this is a much bigger issue that's going to go through. So, but to answer your question at the end of the day, um, Vlad is the, yeah, I'm with Jason. Vlad's the one that I would have no problem if right now it said, okay, you got to pay Vlad 10 years. Well, it's tough. I would be very comfortable with it, I think, and wouldn't bat an eye at 10 years. Definitely 25 million per, if that's what it took. I yeah. think he'd do that in a heartbeat. Even if it got up to 30, I think most people would be fine with that because you know you have him for a while, and he probably lives up to that, to be honest with you. And he'd probably be backloaded a little bit more anyway. So yeah. Just to the, uh, Wander Franco deal. That was twenty five yep. million, I think, if he stayed in that twelfth season. Yeah. Was exactly. how it was weighted. Exactly. And uh it's it's bold. That'll be interesting because as Jason said, defense is still a little bit of a struggle. And He's been known for a guy who has a very, very awkward swing. Like I know Josh Donaldson, Bautista had some awkward mechanics too, uh, which they figured out and it worked for them. But you never know. Like sometimes this stuff stops working. Um, and there are a couple holes in Bo's offensive game too. It was a fantastic And I have no doubt that he could probably replicate that a couple more times throughout his career, probably more often than not. But there is still some cause for concern to Bo Bichette where I would not pay him. Um, 35 million per year, 30 million per year at this point. Say 10 years, 
I don't know, 200 or 10 years, 180 or something along those lines. Yeah, sign me up. I think that's fine. Yeah. I think that turns out to be a steal. But anything more at this point, I think they can hold out maybe one more year on Bichette and lock up Vlad right now. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Something that just screams from this in Major League Baseball in general, right? Who's the guy that usually gets paid the most on the lineup? The first baseman that just thumps at the plate, right? We can even name a few guys in this freaking franchise, Carlos Delgado being the one that, in my mind, that's what the Blue Jays did, locked him up for a good amount of time, and he just was out there every day at first base. And that's just how it was. Vlad screams that prototype player to me. And to that point, I have no problem doing that, giving him the money he needs to get right now and keep going on it. I think that awards him for the amount of work that he put in this past offseason that shows him, hey, you might want to keep doing this <laughs> and ensuring the fact that you're uh, you know, hitting the weight room and doing everything he did to ensure the fact that he's going to continue to have this kind of uh, tenure in the, the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think that's the right way to do it. But I agree with you that maybe this thing for the Boba Shet part looks like more buying out maybe the first couple of years of his free agency because there is also a big age difference between the two of them too that most people don't realize as they take the season you know vlad is what barely 22 and <laughs> i think uh bo's three years older than him if i recall off the top of my head i can't remember but there is a little just enough of a difference there in age too that would also change some of the uh contract in my head but what do I know? I just sit behind this microphone and talk every other couple of weeks. <laughs> well, so. Paul was 23 and Vlad is 22. Okay, that's what it was. I didn't realize it was that close. I thought it was further. Paul is 98, Vlad is 99. Gotcha. So, all right. But anyway, outside of that, I think Vlad's where you just dump a pile of money in it. Because right now, I, I think there's no reason he's not going to replicate exactly what he did. And maybe soon, if he doesn't have that lull he had for the month of August, there could be a difference between an MVP there or not. Just saying. <laughs> um, but anyway, fellas, moving along, um, the 40-minute mark. Um, I wanted to talk a little, unless you guys want anything on either of those two points there with the contract extensions to chat about and whatnot before I dive into a quick review, because we haven't done this yet. Our 2021 season and review stuff here. We're going to start off with the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> That'll be fun. I, it's the only one I think we can get done in 15, 20 minutes. That's why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to that point, the Toronto Blue Jays had a very, very polarizing in the in the bullpen, and it it literally is the tale of two seasons on paper. This team started off the season with a bullpen that was one of the best in baseball literally was lights out locked it down every damn night and then all of a sudden it was like the worst in baseball it literally almost seemed like an overnight once we lost a few cute guys that i know you guys are very fond of one of those guys i think is still technically with the team (laughs) but i don't know so i can't remember if but anyway we'll go into that in a minute but i have a few key emergences with you know jordan romano stepping up into a closers role this is a team that originally had kirby yates as our closer for the season. And he didn't even get a chance to play. He barely even got a freaking phone call in at the spring training camp at that lovely new facility, you know? So and looking at the year as a whole, I know there's some different things going on. This team ends up being one game short of getting into the playoffs. How critical was the fact that that bullpen fell apart for the course of about a month and a half? Very critical, you know, because <laughs> yeah. it's this one game, right? So, and a lot of the games were, <laughs> 
were um, lost by the bullpen. But, you know, there's also questions as to, you know, if Charlie could have managed a couple games better, um, you know. But I think the front office did a good job managing the storm and that they brought in Adam Simber and Trevor Richards very, very early. I think it was like one or two months before the trade deadline. So they clearly identified that there was a hole in the roster. And, you know, especially with Adam Simber, that we ended up trading Joe Pickett, a very, very low-level lottery yeah. ticket, I think. So, you know, that was incredible. And we have Simber for, for a while now, I think. So as a whole, started off, uh, you know, didn't look so good with uh, with a couple struggling months, but we did a good job filling the filling the holes. And then uh, I think we did a good job also managing the injuries that, that popped up throughout the year. Like, I think a full season of Ryan Barucki might be huge. At one point, he looked like Andrew Miller sometimes. Yeah. Um, and he, he has a... He has some good potential. Romano, we've established as our closer. And, um, you know, from what I've seen, you know, we're also interested in some of the premier uh, relievers in the free agency, though I don't think that's the way we want to go. I'm never a big fan of handing out big contracts to relievers, how, no matter how good they are. Um, but, you know, even if we get a couple of relievers in free agency um, that maybe aren't the top dogs, but um, are very solid and have good bounce back potential, and I think the bullpen could be could be another strength for us next year. Um, if, you know, we see those, uh, the guys that emerge could church and then uh, the guys who are injured bounce back and hopefully have a good year. But with the bullpen, it's it's so hard to predict. It's, the, it's probably the the area of the roster that has the most volatility year to year. Um, so I think it's to have a lot of options in, uh, in the bullpen. But last year, it was good. It was good. So the Blue Jays ended up having 33 different arms come out of the bullpen this past yes. season. <laughs> so I don't know how that compares into uh, reasons at all, Brendan, but that seems like a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just looking at some of the names here, and I can picture exactly when these guys are coming out of the bullpen. Like I'm looking at Joel Piamps, who was actually okay. Piamps was all right for a little while. Um, who else is on this list? Going through Jeremy Beasley, Carl Edwards Jr., Tommy Malone. Connor Overton, and I just have late May, early June in my head, uh, especially that four-game race series over the course of uh, May long weekend, the one before Victoria, uh, Victoria Day weekend and the one before Memorial Day in the United States when the Blue Jays got swept in four games uh, by the Rays in that series. Um, but look, the Blue Jays bullpen, when you go through and look who's going to be around at this point, is actually off to a really good start, to be perfectly Very honest. Like, you're going to have Jordan Romano, you have Adam Simber, you have Tim Meza, all three who are close to one F4 out of the bullpen on fan graphs. Then you still got Trevor Richards, and you have Ryan Barucki coming back, as Jason mentioned, a guy who could be key for this team. Guys, I think at this point, you can count on giving you some very good innings out of the bullpen next year. Whatever happens with the rotation, we'll see what happens. Ross Stripling could be a six-man in that bullpen right now as a long guy or a swingman out of the bullpen that makes a couple starts, but come leaf. And if you want to pencil him in there, then you have a very good six so far. And then that's where a couple free agent signings come into play. You sign maybe a decent contract for one of the guys. Not a long-term one. I'm with you, Jason. I'm not a fan of paying big money to relievers, but there might be a bar out there for a guy who's had a lot of success. Um I don't, I can't remember. I think at, uh, is David Phelps did say, Phelps sign a one year deal when he came back or was it a two year? Because I was just he was looking. the guy at I was talking point. about. But the reason I feel like he's legit actually on the roster for next I year, but I remember. don't. I couldn't find <laughs> I can't him on fan graphs uh, <laughs> if he's still under contract. But what I'm getting to with Phelps is 
that bullpen in my mind, and I said this quite a few times throughout the year as the season went along, but also at the time, Merriweather getting something I think we could all see come uh, after that Yankees uh, Yankees series where he just blew the lights off the door and was incredible. But when David Phelps went down for the year, that's where the balloon popped for me. And that's why I'm kind of curious because he was damn good. Like you could rely on David Phelps in any situation. You could have him be an opener and he'll get you quality outs. You can have him be a setup guy. He could close games. David Phelps is actually a very good bullpen arm. That's why I want to know if he's back, because if he is, then there, there you go. There's seven guys right there that you can start. Yeah. Even if he's not, I'd bring him in, uh, his surgeries like and his rehab looks like. I'd sign him back right now. To that I point, think he's a free I agent. believe you. I free agent? You well, to that point, yeah. sign him. Give him the money. Give him here. <laughs> I'm more, I'd be happy to bring him back knowing what ha- he did. Yeah. Trying to take another risk on what Kirby Yates' rehab looks well, like. Well, it's crazy. You know, things like that. I was seeing yesterday, I think it was yesterday, that there's actually quite a few teams that are in on Kirby Yates right now, uh, and they're willing to pay him two years because that's what he's looking for, uh, to continue his rehab but also build back up, kind of like the Kelsey that he just got with Seattle. Ken Giles is going to be back this year for the Mariners, uh, and that'll be a nice piece for their bullpen. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm all for bringing back David Phelps if they can. Um, and clearly, um, they like him, and he seemed to enjoy his time here because that was his second stint with the team. To that point, Brendan, I think you actually legit said that when the team started going down that we might be able to look yeah. back on. If, if we didn't have the resurgence in that part in August yeah. and do what we did at the end of the season, you were basically saying the day that David Phelps got hurt was the day that the Blues fell apart. Yeah, and That was your pin, yeah. your pinpoint window of where things went wrong. Yep. And I tend to agree with you because the guy was freaking lights out for those 10 innings that I pitched. And that was where we still didn't really have the closer role figured out with, uh, with Romano turning around and doing what he did. But I want some of those things that Jason was saying, yes, they made a bunch of great moves too, but the fact that they knew in the management level of the Toronto Blue Jays, that this bullpen was the problem period. They knew they could score runs. They knew they had enough starting pitching, but they weren't getting deep enough in the game. Um, the David Phelps thing happened. The Tyler Chatwood thing happens where he falls off the freaking wheel. And honestly, that was right after that David Phelps thing where I think that was the, the just enough a mess to his psyche that maybe he lost his partner in crime. That messed it up. Um, but the fact that they turned around and just tried to throw waiver picks any way that they could get in there's some pretty good guys they tried into this whole thing and then some great internal options that haven't quite fully formed into place yet in the patrick murphy's the ty tices of the world um but having guys they tried to bring in carl edwards jr who a couple of years ago was a very salvageable cubs reliever they bring in you know Everybody that you had mentioned, Jason, Joaquin, Soria, Brad Hand. We didn't get the best out of Soria, unfortunately. He was really legit healthy any of the time he was with the Toronto Blue Jays. And then, obviously, there's something wrong with Brad Hand's head that he just couldn't throw the ball over the plate anymore. He did the same thing when he got to the Mets. <laughs> so, I don't know. They, I really think that they tried anything they humanly possibly can to make this a playoff team with what they had but unfortunately they just couldn't get the best out of these guys that they were hoping to bring up and the, the fact that even those last few weeks of the season we were relying on nate pearson as much in the bullpen still still spelling a little bit of disaster right so does anybody want to add anything to that whole idea um, other than the fact that brendan i think you hit the nail on the head that 
this on paper looks very serious. You're talking that the, the low end guys are the Taylor Saucedos of the world that actually had a pretty good rookie season with the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, Saucedo was all right. I didn't like some of the situations he was used by Charlie, but uh, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll save that for another time. But yeah, I mean, even if you want to dive a little bit further uh, and look at it, who knows what's happening with Anthony Kay? Uh, if he has maybe a more defined role, good lefty out of the pen who can get up to 97-98. Julian Merriweather, again, I'm sure if he's healthy, he will probably crack the bullpen, uh, and they'll ride him as long as possible. And then the question is going to be, depending on what they do with the rotation, what do they do with Nate Pearson? And I keep on remembering Ross Atkins. uh, It was either Atkins or Shapiro. I'm pretty sure it was Atkins. uh, At the end of the season, when he was asked about Nate Pearson, they seemed very open to him being a bullpen arm at the end of the year because they know if it's not going to work out in the rotation, he could be a very dominant two, maybe even three inning reliever, kind of like Colin McHugh, a guy that a lot of people would love to see in the Blue Jays bullpen, a guy who the Blue Jays can seemingly not hit this season when the Rays brought him in out of the bullpen. So, yeah, um, if you add all that up, the bullpen is in very good shape. I would expect that to maybe be addressed a little bit later in the off season, like they did in 2017, 2018, 2019 with guys who are lingering, get them on a one-year deal, add that depth. And then you don't, and then you're not costumes where you have to run out by amps or Connor Overton or other guys like that. Uh, when injuries inevitably do happen, but the bullpen will be a good, I think will be a strength. Uh, it is volatile. So maybe we won't get as dominant Adam Simber. You never know. There might be some regression, savers, but they're off to a good start. It's a very good bullpen. I still don't know how they fleeced Miami for Adam Simber. I know Miami isn't gonna <laughs> isn't a team that's gonna contend this year, but still, like that was a fleece considering they still have Simber for at least I think two more years. Uh, um, uh, yeah, on his deal. I'll throw that idea that the the GM there must have some wonderful intel on that wild card that they got with Joe Panic. Is the only thing that makes sense to me because but she's she's brilliant Uh, she seems like she's getting that team move action so to that point i really uh i'm wondering what the hell that she saw and i forget the even name that's that's how low they were on the radar for me on that and i'm the minor league guy i'm missing out apparently (laughs) so but jason is there anybody screaming to you that is the add-on for this toronto blue jays bullpen that would be kind of like the icing on the cake on these guys that we know we're getting back in the bruckies romanos and everybody uh, in terms of free agency, or you can give me whatever you want, man. I left it open. Any reason? <laughs> hmm. Sorry, I missed that. I, I think you cut out there. Oh, sorry. I was saying I left it open ended for a reason. If you got a trade, oh, I, go right I see. <laughs> I think was floated out there that I really like was Michael Lorenzen, but I think the problem with him is he's he's dominant. Um, but I think he might want to go back into starting as well. And if like a rebuilding club offers him a one-year deal where he's a starter, then that's a bit yeah. more unfortunate. Um, but then there's also a team that, I forget it off the top of my head, but he was a top closer in Japan last year. And I know Rafael Delis kind of um, shies us away from our, the, top, <laughs> the closers in the MPB, but... Um, you know, there's interesting opportunities out there for sure. And, um, you know, I think we need definitely at least two or three more guys for me to, to feel confident in the bullpen. Because, like I said, you want as many armor, um, that you can trust. Because, you know, you never know what the, the season is going to look like. Even for, like, you know. Oh, we proved you need 33. Brady is going to show the last season. Uh, next year's. <laughs> so... 
one name that stuck out to me is a random flyer, and it's maybe because I'm uh, secretly a Brewers fan on the side. <laughs> um, Corey Kniebel is a free agent. He's floating around the bottom part of that top free agents list, and he screams bounce because he's always got the stuff. If he can figure out that next piece where he's obviously he's getting a little bit older and just know how to outsmart some pit hitters, which I think he might be able to learn from the whole Pete Walker connection, you know, <laughs> it's just like that's something right there that would be, uh, he didn't have it quite with this past years and he looked good with the, the Diamondbacks, but he wasn't the guy he was with the Milwaukee Brewers a few years ago. There's, there's so. actually a lot of names just looking at the right-handed ones right now, scrolling through here that will probably linger and you might be able to get them on maybe even minor league deals, maybe some of the older guys. Like, But even just looking at some of the names, like some of the ones that I'd be fine bringing in, like you go through alphabetical order, Brad Boxberger, Brad Brock, um, Steve Ciszek, um, Alex Colome, who had some really good years with the, with the Rays, Chris Davinsky, a huge strikeout guy with, uh, with the Astros last couple of years. Then you keep on going down the list, Michael Givens, um, <laughs> you talk about different it's, looks. Cishek is literally C-Shack the best different look. Different. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Neville, as you said, Craig. Uh, but there's tons, like, uh, and really high velocity guys out there on that market too. So they don't have to break the bank for a Kenley Jansen or something like that. But if they yeah. do, that'd be fun. Uh, but all bullpen sign with risk, as Jason alluded and, to. And Jensen's one of those guys that screams bullpen risk to me. I can, yeah, yeah, it'd be an exciting name for sure, based on how dominant he's been in the past, but it does uh, scream. <laughs> PJ Ryan. Sorry, oh, <laughs> I say that out loud. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love him, don't get me wrong, but I liked PJ Ryan back when, too, and that was before he was a Blue Jay. <laughs> so, anything you guys want to add to that conversation there before I have a fun little uh, continuation of a game that we had? a couple weeks ago and they have another Jay's journal guy on the show. I got to put him on the spot. (laughs) I don't think so. I can't like, I mean the bullpen, I think we nailed it. They they were very down in mid May and early June. The trade of Simber and Richards really righted the ship and they finished strong. Yeah. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head though. They're going to be looking for a righty reliever because they got enough young lefties, I think in we already talked out one here. Jason's very high on Brian, Ryan Barucki. They have Sato. They also have Mesa. Anthony Kay. Mesa. There's four guys right there. That's already enough lefties to be running through a whole season without your bullpen, I think. Especially with the whole, we don't have the specialized lefty things anymore. Or what. So I think that's enough to run with. Especially those four guys, I think, have the right stuff to get righty hitters out to. Although somehow Aaron Loops figured that out, and he's got a contract already, too. But besides Good for him, man. <laughs> I just remember it had to have been four, five years ago. Aaron was Hill here in Rochester, New York, pitching in AAA, and I'm like, his career is over with. It looked that bad. It was that close. <laughs> it was very, very close. Yeah. So, anyway, the game that we played, we've been trying to figure a fun way to end the show every week, and we found some fun ones. So a couple of weeks ago, um, Chris Henderson was on the show, and I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I got to do something uh, Jay's Journal-related, because we all used to write together, and we have fun. And funny enough, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you're now on the official podcast.com now. <laughs> because we've taken I did that. see that. I love that. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of fun that we all got to play full circle here and we get to keep our same friends involved. But um, so what we did was we had, I pulled up everybody's Blue Jays page and I put Chris on the spot to see if he could guess what his most popular articles were, according to the aggregator. And mine was 
top prospect, Sean Reed Foley, get ready. <laughs> uh, Brendan, yours was um, quick hits on their latest acquisition, acquisition in Trent Thornton. I don't know why that one did so well. I don't get it. <laughs> it's how the fun is with this whole thing. And this is why this is so stupid and fun to be able to goof around with here. I liked your second or deeper look into the good signing of Jamie Garcia was your, your other one. <laughs> I still can't believe that got reads at all. It's Jamie Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> so Jason, do you have any idea what maybe your top two articles would be? Um, I can give you one, if that helps. One of them must be the Ryu one. It's up there, but it's not the best one. Is it not? Is is it? That's your third, according to the aggregator, anyway. Is Yas Yosbr- yeah, the Yasbrizilueta one? That is that is your number one. Which that one? one? So that was that was Yasbrizilueta. Yeah, mm. the Blue Jays bi- pitching the Blue Jays pitcher. Everybody's suddenly talking about. That was your, an, that was a good read. He's, yeah, he's an interest. I talked with. Um, because I was fortunate enough to have a quick Zoom meeting with um, Andrew Tinnish, and he was so high on him before before we got the Tommy John. But I think he's after because Tommy John um, recently, you know, pitchers come back stronger, so definitely uh, a name to watch out for as they come back. Yeah, and he's on the young. I think he's like 24 or something like that too. So he's on the younger side. So he could be somebody that's going to be here in the Blue Jays bullpen possibilities. At the yeah, time he could, yeah, he could be fast tracked for sure. I think. Yeah, for a bullpen. So now that I've clicked the wrong damn button. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think your second one was? I um, I need a hint for that one. Okay, so this was, was four years ago. Four it was February 2017. Oh, wow. Yeah, so this just shows how, uh, how much fun uh, Jason's been having for years with us goofing around at Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. February 2017. That is really, really, really exciting right now. So I hope they're keeping tabs on him. He's um, it's interesting because he's he's a big guy and he, I think he's the first baseman, uh, but he just won the the KBO championship and he's super young and um, I know the the level of field play in Korea is like only double A level, but still he, he's raking double A pitching. So uh, at at young of an age, so it's exciting and I hope I hope to see him in the big league soon. Get him in the yeah, system to that. And to that point, with them having connection and everything going on, you would think that he would have a little bit of a tap on that to be like, going, hey, you know, you guys might want to <laughs> pay attention I think, over here. I, 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 the problem with, I wish the Blue Jays would exploit that Ryu connection more. Because right now, it's like, for me, I'm, I get to see how all the teams in football or soccer are exploiting the, the Korean players on their team. You know, for example, Son in, at Tottenham or even Huang at... Um, at Wolverhampton, you know, they, they're yeah. pumping out Korean for the Korean fans. So, like, they're trying to build their fan base in Korea. But right now, the Blue Jays are doing, like, nothing. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's almost one of those things. 
I never understood that one either. He goes, even with the fact that you're in such a culturally diverse and rich city, it just seems weird to me to change of every possible venue that they could. And I don't yeah, care where exactly. the talent comes from. Everybody, as long as they click with this team and everybody can do something on the field to help them win, that's the, that's the end game. It doesn't matter any of that other stuff. Where you came from, who you played for, great. What are you going to do today to help this team win the ball game? That's the yeah. end of the game, right? There's a lot of business opportunity, too, in terms of, you know, if you can capture a lot of the Korean fan base, you know, right? Always. If yeah. it's it's frustrating for me to see, it's like, I wish I could, you know, to me, you're missing out on a big opportunity. Huge opportunity. So. <laughs> yeah, Huge opportunity. What can you do? So, yeah, someday they'll get wise because it took them a long time to figure out there's good players playing in the Latin America area there, too, for a while. And then all of a sudden we have Tony Fernandez, George Bell, everybody. <laughs> and that's been their biggest camping area for looking for young talent they're going to need to baseball is truly a world class um operation at this point they need to start looking around anywhere they humanly possibly can and i think the kbo like you is ripe for talent to bring to the you know the world scale not just being in korea so and to that point i'm not gonna lie i do enjoy watching kbo baseball it's just fun <laughs> it was nice having it back at first during the pandemic last year the height of it yeah I- i'm gonna not gonna lie that was what i discovered it but oh my god i had a great time watching it and i thought it was very interesting with the fact that they took certain things from the broadcasts from kbo when baseball did come back to the you know empty stadiums with the, the cutouts and i think it was the tampa bay rays that still did the stuffed animals and everything that like i was seeing in some of the kbo broadcasts as fans too but <laughs> Uh, it was just exciting to have baseball back and they were ahead of the curve on that whole thing. And it was very fun to watch. And honestly, I'm glad regardless of all the stuff that happened that I got, well, there is great Korean baseball to that point too. So, because usually you only hear about Japanese baseball and Mm -hmm. that is not painting the right picture for baseball in general as a world sport period. So I was very happy to hear that happen and and get to witness witness myself at like what, two in the morning or whatever it was when I was (laughs) watching. (laughs) So, but Jason, I agree with you. And um, that is still, like I said, if somebody Googles Jason Lee and your author page comes up to the Blue Jays article, they're going to get to read about Blue Jays need to hurry up and capitalize on that. It might be relevant (laughs) to resurface, to be honest. (laughs) Just retweet that one out for the shit and giggle and see what the hell happens. (laughs) Worst case scenario, it's going to be your most popular one, right? (laughs) <laughs> so jason this is your moment to shine as we uh are getting ready to wrap up here and whatnot is there anything you would like to say to the blue jays nation and all our friends at jays journal uh first off i just really want to thank you for inviting me back you know it's really had a good time you know it's, i've been super busy uh, i'm for those of you who don't know i'm currently uh I'm during my fourth year at western and I fortunately, or perhaps foolishly, took on a, a thesis project this year. So oh, no. it's, I've there just it been in the lab for a while. Like um, but every opportunity to talk about our Blue Jays, it, it's 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 a real joy. And obviously, with two of the finest gentlemen in the business, you know, it's oh. even better. Um, but it yeah, could be, it could be blush, man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're just going to have to make sure that now this post-pandemic thing is going on, that I can come up and actually have the ballpark and do <laughs> yeah. what we did on the flight deck a few years yeah. ago. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm very still fun with, stuff. Uh, still with Jay's Journal, um, you know, not writing as often because, again, been so busy. Um, but then I'm also been uh, trying to help grow uh, Korean football around the world as well and covering um, the Korean um, soccer team as well so it's been a fun it's been a it's been a fun blast you know I've, I've been fortunate enough to interact with fans around the globe um, especially 
you know, there's this one player that that you Fenerbahce, which is a Turkish team. So I've met a bunch of Turkish fans, and I think that's just that's the cool. great that's just the great power of sports, right? Like, it's it's worldwide. It can connect people of all ages, you know, sexes, genders, uh, cultures. So it's it's been a blast, and I look forward to to connecting with a lot more baseball fans and a lot more soccer fans in the future. So if you if you ever want to have a good conversation, my DMs are always open on Twitter. Um, and yeah, I'd love to have a nice conversation. I learned all about that Wang and Wolves signed him because of you, Jason, and uh, he's turned out to be a very good loanee for, for Wolves. Yeah. He's really good. <laughs> there you go. And Jason, obviously you're more than welcome here anytime you want to join us on our fun little barroom stash that we have going on here. <laughs> so just make sure you let us know and you're welcome anytime. Sounds good. So. Um, to that point, Blue Jays fans, as we wrap up, as we as I had mentioned, we are the official podcast of JaysJournal.com on Fansided. Make sure you hit us up and talk to us there, catching the wonderful scribblings on the website there. Also, make sure you click on uh, wherever you can for us and get your podcasting pleasures. Also, live every Wednesday, basically, for the most part, 90% of the time, <laughs> 7 o'clock Eastern time. If not, it will be the following Thursday, but that's American Thanksgiving this year for me, and I'm going to be fat tomorrow, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> fat and full of beer. <laughs> so, um, to that, Blue Jays fans, I think we'll finish this off like we used to claps and a Ric Flair. Let's do it. Woo! Woo! Oh, Let's Blue go, Jays. Blue Jays. We are the best. and we're clear For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.